Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome back. 2.20 is the time here in the KSL Newsroom. I got a hold of uh, something called the superintendent's message sent around uh, to those within the Salt Lake City School District last night. And it uh, it looks forward to Monday. Monday's a big day in the Salt Lake City School District. You have likely, you know, whether you are a parent or a student inside the district or out, uh, you have you've you've become well aware of the fact that uh, things have gone a bit differently for Salt Lake City uh, School District and the choices they've made and uh, adhering uh, almost entirely to uh, remote only learning. Uh, and that all changes this coming Monday. And to look forward to what students can expect, what parents can expect, what teachers can expect, and what the rest of us uh, can look in on uh, is Larry Madden, Interim Superintendent of the Salt Lake City School District. Mr. Madden, welcome to the program. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Lee? I'm all right. Uh, Listen, this has been a long time coming. How are you feeling? Are you confident going into Monday? Uh, Yeah, I am. I mean, I I feel like we've, uh, I I do feel like we've kind of done the right thing so far. It does feel like it's been a long time. Um, really excited to see kids back in the school. We have had, you know, pre-K one uh, last week. We started back with two, three this week, and um, you know, the response so far from the schools has been has been wonderful. Any lessons learned by by those uh, youngsters in the classroom over the past week or so that uh, that you'll apply to the opening on Monday? You know, we're going to, in terms of mitigation strategies, I mean, that's why we wanted to start out a little slow like this. And we haven't really had any uh, major problems. The things we've done to prepare seem to be working really well. And so, um, uh, you know, we, we really are excited for Monday. You have a, a program in place for uh, some of your schools, this test to start program. Describe that to me. Yeah, so for our for our uh, big comprehensive high schools, East, West, and Highland High, we're doing testing. So we're doing the rapid uh, the rapid tests, and we'll be doing that uh, tomorrow. Some of the schools might do even a little bit on Sunday, and that's to test kids before we start. And it's really a lot like some of the schools around us in the county have been doing with the test to stay. It's just a chance for us to to you know, kind of screen out kids right at the beginning. Uh, it'll give us a fresh start. And then as we move on, uh, once we open, I mean, of course, the goal is to stay open, right? And so we'll use as much testing as we can to do that. Now, now some folks are hesitant to get tests. These tests are not necessarily mandatory, but they're, uh, you know, if you choose, if you opt out, uh, you know, you're going to have to do a little bit of quarantine for a time. T- talk to me about those uh, reluctant to get the test. 
Well, I mean, you know, it's the same as with the same as with the vaccines. I mean, not everybody feels comfortable doing that, and they do have that choice. Uh, we do have a lot of experience with remote now. Uh, we know that, and I think we've gotten we think we've gotten pretty good at it. So, if somebody wants to make that choice, they can certainly do it. Um, and it's a it's a course optional for teachers, just like vaccinations are. But um, you know, our, again, our goal is just to to start out as safely as we can and and maintain that through the end of the year. The, the, your, your athletes, though, uh, those engaging in extracurriculars, they, they are required to, to get tested to participate, correct? Yeah, they get tested every two weeks uh, within a, within a two-week period. And uh, I'm not exactly sure if we'll have the ability to do that with all the kids, but uh, we're, we're, we're looking into that. Uh, how about the 90-day the question? The, the, this uh, idea of 90 days from a positive test, a documented positive test, that exempts these students from, uh, from the test, is that correct? I, yeah, I believe it is. Actually, I have someone else that's working on that, and I think that's true, but I don't want to say that with any certainty. Okay, okay, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you, got, you got me on that one. All righty. Uh, yeah. talk, talk to me about, you mentioned the teachers, and you mentioned vaccines. How has mm-hmm. that gone uh, for your teachers, uh, knowing that they, uh, you know, after some negotiations uh, at various levels, uh, ultimately became, you know, eligible to participate in the first round of vaccinations. Uh, have you seen uh, a number, any sense of percentage, or how would you characterize how that has gone for your teachers? Well, I, I can't speak for any individual, uh, but I, I can say I've been to the clinics, and I, I mean, it's really the, it's almost a festive atmosphere. It kind of reminded me of waiting in line at the Olympics is, uh, you know, people were people were pretty positive. Um, we've we've vaccinated. We've been able to vaccinate over 2,100 uh, of our employees so far. So we're we're doing pretty well. Uh, after next week, everyone will have had the opportunity to be vaccinated, and then we'll start working on some. Go back and start working on some of those folks that chose to defer at the start for whatever reason, and we'll start working our way back through them. But I think within the next two weeks, we should probably have our first doses done. And then starting um, next Thursday, we'll be starting with the second doses uh, for the first group that went through. This gets into your own personal medical business, so you can decline to answer this question if okay. you'd like. Uh, but have you been vaccinated, sir? I have been vaccinated, yeah. Um, my my original plan was to defer to the end. And then that first week, we were, you know, as we were kind of working through things, um, you know, we got to a point where more people deferred than we thought were going to defer. And I was dead set that we were not going to finish those evenings with a single dose left over. So at one point that evening, I did get vaccinated. All right. Very good. Uh, now, you have also, in conjunction with the, you know, the welcome back to school kids, here's some testing that's going to happen over the weekend. In this superintendent's message, there's also an announcement that uh, meals will be provided to all students free of charge for the duration of the school year. Talk to me about what led to that. Well, we've been doing that. I mean, we're, we, um, you know, we've provided meals for any student up to 18 years old. We'll continue to do that. We have somewhat shortened windows for that, uh, for those grab-and-go meals, because now all of our cafeteria staff is going to be back uh, fully within the schools. But, you know, we've we've tried to make every effort we can to uh, alleviate what food insecurity there is out there. Uh, so aside from uh, that, through our child nutrition, we've also worked really hard through our education foundation. Uh, we've got pantries in a lot of our schools. Uh, we've done some we've done some delivery uh, to to places where we have students that are in quarantine and can't pick up meals. So that's kind of been a a mission of ours from the start is to do whatever we can to to help folks in that area. 
Very good. Uh, last question I have for you. Do, do you anticipate that by the end of the school year that you'll have 100% in-person instruction? No, I don't. Um, I think we'll, I mean, we still are in the pandemic. Uh, there's still more to see what happens with some of the variants and stuff like that that are coming out. Um, I have no issues uh, for people that want to choose to remain remote for the remainder of the year. We'll provide that option for them. And, um, you know, I, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I mean, you, you know, as, yeah. as we work our way through this, things change, and they change pretty fast. Um, in a month, we may have lots more kids back, uh, but that's to be seen. Are, are there are there metrics in particular that you are following, or are you taking guidance from the health department? What, in terms of what's measurable, what, what do you have your what has your attention? Well, we're always taking guidance from the health department, and I think what we want to do is we're going to get back on this uh, two day a week option for our secondary students. We're going to see how it goes. Um, we'll do the we'll do the test to stay. If everything goes super well, then we have always got the option to look at expanding that. Um, you know, ideally we would be able to uh, to expand that at some point in time. But we're gonna we're gonna keep looking at it as we move forward. All right, yeah, very good. Uh, anything I haven't thought to ask you that could be valuable to students or parents or teachers listening right now? Um, not that I can think of right offhand. If they have any questions, they have any concerns, the first place to, to contact is their individual school. And if they can't get an answer there, then they can certainly call the district office and we'll do whatever we can to help them navigate this. Outstanding. Uh, well, listen, uh, Larry Madden, superintendent of the Salt Lake City School District, thank you for your time. Best of luck as you get back into the classroom on Monday. I appreciate it. Thank you. All righty. Let me ask you this. We have about 90 seconds here before it's time for a commercial break. Uh, As you maybe you're listening and you are a student or a parent, what are your thoughts right now as you look forward to Monday being the first day of uh, of in-person instruction? And now it's not 100 percent and it's not every day of the week. Uh, You you know how it goes probably better than I do, even uh, based on, uh, you know, your, your last name. And your age and all and which school you attend uh, will determine which day of the week you're in class. But uh, how are you feeling? I was, before my conversation commenced with uh, Superintendent Madden there, I was trying to do some quick math, trying to figure out how long it's been for uh, some Utah students. And it's almost a year, right? Was it it mid-March, I think, late March or so, uh, where Governor Gary Herbert uh, called a halt to instruction, in-person instruction for a time? And since then, for some... It's been all remote all the time. I bet there's some excitement. I bet there's a thrill. I bet there's some good anticipation. Man, when I, when I was young, it was just the uh, the regular summer months that we were away from one another. And getting back together in September, there was an electricity and an excitement in the air. And uh, I, I, hope that, uh, I hope that that similar feeling is being felt uh, this weekend and uh, Sunday as folks try to go to sleep and get ready for school on Monday. Anyway, uh, that's what's going on in the Salt Lake City School District. If you've got any thoughts or insights, please uh, feel free to send me a note, 57500. That's the Utah Community Credit Union text line. They've got some plans in place. Hopefully they go well. Hopefully everyone is comfortable. Hopefully the whole thing is successful because the bottom line is uh, kids got to learn. They got to do it in a comfortable, safe environment. Hopefully everything that's going on in this district and all the districts around this great state uh, are working towards that all-important goal. Quick break. When we return to wrap up today's program, we're going to be speaking with Rich Lakin, Immunization Director of the Utah Department of Health. How are things going statewide? What can we expect on the future? That's all coming up next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. 
few years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.